is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is American Conversations. And today we're going to talk about human trafficking in the United States. And I am honored uh, to have Mary Flynn O'Neill with us today. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Very nice to be here. So let's talk about how you got into, you know, wanting to do something about human trafficking. We have in the United States, you know, huge numbers. We've got kids in foster care. We have kids coming across the border who are unaccompanied. The numbers are astronomical uh, on the southern border. And we also have them on the northern border. I mean, not as much um, relative to what's going on in the, in the southern border. But, you know, it, it is a huge problem. And Tara Rhodes is working with you, who was with HHS, and she's a whistleblower. And Let's just get into the weeds of this because this is big and your organization is doing something that I fully support, which is going down to the local level and the impact and waking people up and getting them engaged in this. So let's start with, Mary, how you came to, to want to get in this because not everybody does. I mean, this is, you know, I've been doing this for almost a quarter of a century and it's, it's you know, it, it can be tough at times. Yeah. Well, I really, I mean, I really discovered the corruption in the family court system. And that was when my own two grandchildren at eight months were taken in the middle of the night. And uh, how, how did that happen? Well, my daughter had a very bad uh, marriage with a very, uh, you know, in a domestic violence. I mean, this man was really had some very severe mental issues. He went AWOL in the military, which she never knew. She So she basically married a man who she grew up with. But, you know, when she married him, he became a, a complete monster. I mean, he was a totally wow. different person after the marriage. And it went downhill from there. He he, you know, he abused her. He and and, and I, I was not aware of it. She never uh, let me know any of this was really going on until the babies were born. And then I saw a real a separation, isolation uh, on her. He was he was isolating her and the children from me um, and so forth. So what happened was I got her out of the relationship. My husband and I worked, we, we discovered the the abuse and all that. And the babies were basically living with me. And, and then I moved her in. So this is a, you know, this happens all the time in families. It really does. It's, it's not, you know, it's the same story kind of thing with a lot of families in America, around the world, this happens all the time. Uh, the problem is once we got into the divorce end of it and the family court, then there was, you know, then I was exposed to 
the lawyers. Um, I actually had a lawyer come up and say to me and, and, and my family, this is a small town lawyer, uh, uh, family court, excuse me, family court system where everybody knew my, my family. I mean, you know, we grew up on an Island, so I, I knew everybody in that family court, uh, and the lawyers and so forth. And, and I knew cops, I knew, you know, everybody and judges and so forth. So, so I, but I, what I have, my eyes were opened once, um, uh, the, he was, he was told supervised visitations. He was told he had to pay child support. Actually that weekend, what this, uh, son of a gun did was he, uh, trapped her, uh, called CPS, uh, you know, child family protective services on my daughter said she was neglecting the kids so forth. It happens all the time. The abuser will always call. And if they're the first one and they know how to work the system, they're the ones that usually get the kids back. So the fight went on from there. Um, and I discovered uh, that the cops were involved. Uh, he was a drug informant. He was uh, arrested for marijuana, kind of big, bigger drugs, but then he became an informant. And so that's where it started to become a big problem for my daughter and the children. Uh, because once he became an informant, they gave him anything he wanted. And that's what he wanted. He wanted his kids back and he wanted to ruin her life. And that's what they did. Um, and so in the middle of the night, they trapped her. They said that they were doing a wellness check. They were told, my daughter was told to bring the babies to a police station. And I went with her and uh, they said that CPS was going to show up. And next thing you know, we were surrounded by a lot of cars and the wow. cops came out and grabbed the kids. A woman came up, took the kids right out of our arms. And my daughter lost it, Christina. She sure. lost it. I I mean, it was, I'll never forget that moment and what happened at that time it was absolutely devastating for me and my kids and and so forth so that was it so once i got into the system i started to do my own you know really you know you have to these women there's a lot of women that don't have you know the support my daughter had with me and being as strong willed as i am uh you know they lose it they lose their kids they get it they get them on drugs they, they just ruin their lives and they never get their kids back. And once, once somebody takes their, the kids away from, you know, the mothers, it, it's, it's, it devastates them. It just devastates them. The cycle continues. And, uh, so, so that's he, what happens. So, you know, so that's when you realize that the, the, the system and foster care yes. could be actually working against the kids. Yes. Because what I had, what happened was, once we got the babies were in the in the system, we had to play their game. And as we went on and my daughter, they've set up these plans and, you know, you got to do everything, jump through hoops for these people to get your kids back, even to see your kids. So what happened to me was I started to I started to get the whole picture. I, and then I started to meet men who were going through the fathers who were good fathers. And, and of course, in Rhode Island, fathers have no rights at all. There's there's laws on the books that really do not protect fathers at all. And so, um, you know, I've, I started to meet a lot of victims of family court, victims of child protective service, victims of foster care. They put my babies in to foster care for two weeks until we got them out. They wouldn't give them to me. They wouldn't give them to me, which, you know, they tried to ruin my, re you know, my uh, reputation uh, and, and so forth. So it was a, it was a nightmare. It was a 10 year nightmare, but 
along so how, how long how long ago did that happen then well the babies will be 15 15 mm -hmm. years old and they're out of the family court system because the father finally got help the mother's got help the mother lost it she got she got drinking and uh, get into alcohol and, and it was back and forth. And it was basically the grandmothers, myself and the other grandmother that really um, pulled it all together for these kids. Uh, we had, the, I had the kids eventually, she had the kids eventually, so forth until the parents went through, you know, I mean, it, it was a struggle. My daughter's 40 years old this year and the babies are doing, they're not babies, they're, they're freshmen in high school and they're doing really, really well. Thank God for the grandmothers being in their lives because the mother and father lost it. The family court system actually ruined his life because he was a drug informant and, a, and basically became a bum. And then, and then realized that it cost a lot of money in the family court. They suck you dry. That's what they do in the family court system. It is not about the children. It's about these lawyers I had a lawyer that came up to me and I grew up with this guy. He was one of my brothers, my older brother's best friends and say to me, I'll get those kids back for you for $3,500. And back then that was a lot of money. Okay. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, that was a lot of money. And I was like, you son of a, you son of a gun. You know, you, you, you stand there right there and you can say that. And I said, why? Because you know, the judges. And of course it was a judge that was very politically uh, connected and uh, whoo. Those family court judges, they're not they're not the judges that are the top notch judges. They're basically judges that have had a lot of complaints against them. They don't know what to do with them and they throw them into family court or they're just family connected. This guy, this judge was a woman who uh, was connected to the AG of Rhode Island. So and, and believe me, Christina, when I started going through this process and finding more doors and corruption and all these things that led to I actually had a CPS uh, the caseworker come up and try to get me to hit her. She was, she was trying to get me arrested because I was fighting back, uh, against this system. I even went to the governor's office. I filed so many complaints that, uh, they had to recognize who I was and what, what was, it helped. It really did help, uh, that I, that I was filing, 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 and, never ending and pulling my daughter up off the ground was very difficult for for a grandmother there's two things going on there's the love of your child and then there's the love of your grandchildren so mm -hmm. you see both you see both kinds of love uh and and family members go through you know it's heart-wrenching and there were many many tough nights and and that's not i'm not the only one and i just you know god pulled me through this he pulled my daughter through it. Uh, she still struggles. Uh, the children are, uh, you know, doing very well. They're A students. They're just really well-adjusted children. Uh, and that's and that's because we we consistently, somebody stayed in their life consistently, you know, and, and told them that, you know, so, they were loved. So, so how, did the, how did that experience walk you into the human trafficking in, in terms of, I mean, we, we know that there are fertile grounds. Yes. for human trafficking and and the foster system happens to be one of them a, a lot of times yes. if kids run away from home oh yes. it's because of neglect or it's because of abuse and they hit the streets they have no discernment they get in they get sucked into the drugs and the sex and survival sex and being trafficked or being sold on the street but how, how did the how did this walk you into that because well i that, saw 
Yeah. I saw, okay. So when they took the kids, uh, the next morning we were allowed to see the children. We had to go to the actual department of child and family services to see the kids. And, uh, when the van pulled up, there was a woman that came out of the van. This was, this was it for me. Well, of course, them taking the kids in the middle of the night. That was it, too. There was something wrong with that. There, I, I knew that they had trapped her. They wanted those kids, and that was the, what they were going to do. But I saw this woman came out of the van, and she was completely, uh, she was Jamaican. I asked her. I said she couldn't speak a word of English. She was really, 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 uh, really sketchy to me. But she, I could see through her because the babies were a mess. Kingston was crying. I mean, these kids were, this is trauma that they did with these children. And I saw that. And this woman was in the foster care system, taking care of kids. And I asked her, I said, where are you from? She said she was from Jamaica. And I said, how many kids do you have? You know, I, I questioned what was going on. So that's one poor, uh, point. But then I started to get into the system with the family court. And then the caseworker, CPS has huge, more power than the judges to take these kids away from parents. I just started to well, Mary, connect, connect this to the trafficking though. How, how did, so, the, how did so the, so what happened to me was as we were going through this uh, case, trying to fight to get these kids back, the caseworkers, two of them, one was a supervisor and one was the woman who was, uh, you know, the actual dealing with my daughter, which which she was very difficult to deal with with these people. She wouldn't let up. She told me and showed me evidence that they were trying to take those children because uh, remember these children. Well, I, mean, I didn't tell you this, but these children are are uh, multicultural uh, children. They're they're eight, they're Filipino, they're Indian, they're. Uh, Brazilian. They're absolutely beautiful, beautiful children. But my daughter said to me, they, they're trying to take these children. They're going to traffic these children. My daughter was the one that said to me, and I didn't believe her. I said, what are you talking about? I kept, I kept questioning. She started giving me evidence. She started showing me evidence about foster care system in Rhode Island and all the cases. So, so it was a whole series of things that happened that we looked into in Rhode Island. And the, the, the children that had died in the foster care system in Rhode Island, very serious. They had gone through three executive directors. There was massive corruption uh, that we broke uh, with, the, with, the, with the Rhode Island uh, uh, family court system and the CPS foster care system. So that's, that's really what drove me. I, I couldn't stop after that. You just, and then the fight to get the kids and, you know, and that's what we, that's what we did. And I, and I wouldn't stop. You can't stop. These children are being uh, tossed around there. There were at, when I was going through it, there was like 10 deaths in the foster care system through my time period of fighting for my own grandchildren, you know, so. So it just you can't stop. I mean, you can't stop. You see, I mean, I can't stop. Once I saw the corruption, once I saw what they did in my own experience with my own grandchildren, it, it devastated me. And that was it. I had to continue to fight for this. Then General Flynn is being persecuted. And I meet up with a group of prayer warriors, really prayer warriors, praying for my family. Uh, because that was a big part of well, my let life. Let me interject this because General Michael Flynn is your your brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. 
That's right. So, so, so when, when um, Mike was going through his ordeal, yeah, and you had you had prayers around the world, you know, for yes. your family at that time. Yes, ma'am. What happened right. after that? I started to get involved with many, many people all over the world who were praying for my family. And um, that's really where I came into, uh, you know, what I could do for my family was was pray and get involved with these people. And as I got involved, I met a family. Uh, the father was a retired, recent retired Air Force officer. They had seven children. They moved to Kentucky. She started to contact me and read, you know, because I used to talk to these people about my own experiences and mm -hmm. we talked a lot. And so I started to, she reached out to me and told me her whole story about how she was targeted with her family and they took those kids in a raid. Uh, seven children were taken. And because she was alone uh, when he was deployed, homeschooling, and she was, they're Christian, they were homeschooling, they were targeted. And then I started to, so I started advocating for her because of my name. The only thing I could do was start to advocate for these families that I was meeting that had similar uh, experiences that I had. And so I started to, you know, advocate and many, and then I discovered many military families were targeted during the deployment. When you, say, when you say targeted, Mary, what do you, okay. what do you mean? I mean, they were vulnerable. Uh, so, so who was going to take, who was going to take their kids? The state, the state. Uh, so the state, the local police, um, there were people that were targeting uh, many of these military families that were homeschooling um, because, and you know, we see that now with COVID, if you didn't get your vaccines, you could take, you can get your children taken away. So what was happening with me was I was discovering more and more military families uh, uh, that were targeted uh, in their communities, okay, in their mm -hmm. communities by either a, you know, a, a local police or a family member or, and, and this seven children, these people ended up finding out that it was a relative that called CPS on them. That's all it takes is one phone call and you're done. Your, your houses, they'll knock on your door. They'll get in your house. They can go into your house at any point. They have a lot of power to do that. That's what happens. So if there's one call and, and your, your life is, it, your life is ruined. I mean, neglect, that's what they use. They use the word neglect. Okay. That's what they use. So, so, so this led you to, to really take on human trafficking because of the risk that you found in your own family. Yeah. Well, then I started to find out 600,000 children are missing from foster care. And that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's 2020. That's 2020 statistics. But I mean, you know, I started to uncover doing my own investigation, my own networking with people. And I found a huge, huge network of people that their children were taken away from them. I mean, I was not alone out there. There were many, 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 many families devastated. And it just opened my whole world with this. And, you know. And so uh, where, did that, where, did, where did that lead you? Well, you know, I, I prior to working uh, this with this organization, America's Future, which my brother asked me to come and uh, work and run this organization, 
uh, I was working in the Catholic church. So as a finance compliance uh, administrator, uh, auditor, officer of the Catholic church, <clears throat> I discovered a lot of uh, different corruption areas in the church too. Um, so it, it just actually, you know, after the experience that I had and the fight that I had with my own family, the persecution of my brother opened up doors where I could help others. So, you know, it just opened doors for me and I needed to, I needed to help these uh, people. And I, you know, it just, my, and my mother was so pro-life, Christine. My mother was a, was a front runner of the pro-life movement. You've you, you mentioned that because I mean, you're, you're yeah. one of, is it nine in your family? Yeah, nine. There are nine of us. Yeah. Is she, she as a little girl? I mean, my mother was was you know, literally one of the founders of the Right to Life Committee, uh, you know, national committee in the and the Rhode Island. And she she was a woman that ran against you know Congress senators in Rhode Island against. And Rhode Island is a very corrupt uh, state, crookedest little state in the in the whole country. I mean, everybody's related, and, and you know, so it's a tough area for corruption, but. But my mother was running against, um, you know, men uh, back in those days. She's she would be, you know, close to a hundred now, but she's passed away. But this is what this woman was doing, uh, and she was running against, and, and her platform was all pro life. Didn't it didn't matter. We used to say to her, "Mom, you have a degree. You're you're brilliant. You're a businesswoman. You can you can tell people who you are." You know, and you'll maybe you'll win too. You know, to get in there, but no, 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 no. Pro life, pro life, pro life. She was pushing mm -hmm. the envelope, is what she was doing. She was trying to pull these Catholic, you know, Catholics in Rhode Island and the Christian people out of their, you know, little living rooms and trying to get them to realize how severe abortion was going to affect this country and the feminist movement actually too. As a little girl, she said that to me. She said, "Mary the." The feminist movement is going to ruin this country. It's going to be the downfall. And she was so ahead of her time and she had a fearlessness about her that, you know, was just incredible to watch. And and so, you know, she's a big part of our lives and, and these fights that we pick. So really, my whole drive has been children. I mean, I can't so this, even. So, this, so when the phrase fight like a Flynn, it really, <laughs> it really is Mama Flynn? It is. Yes, and my father was standing right by her, and he was he was nothing to mess around with either. Uh, he was a guy that uh, was always right with us, you know, no matter what. I mean, we're not perfect. We're we were a bunch of hellions growing up and raising, you know, surfing and and being wild kids, and you know, we didn't have any. That's what that's, what, that's what kids do. Yeah, I mean. Mm -hmm. We love the water and we didn't have anything but each other. We really, and my father was, you know, a very loyal man. He was very, very loyal to my mother and to us. So anything she did, he, he just stuck right by her, you know? He All right. Really so we're going to, so Mary, we're going to take a break right now. And on the other side of this commercial, um, let's get into what your dream is now and what your mission is with all that background. Okay. Okay, so Mary, we're back from the from the commercial. Let's get into America's future. What, okay. what what is the vision that you and General Mike Flynn and your family have now going forward in terms of tackling uh, okay. human trafficking in the United States? Yeah. So we we uh, 
2021, I was asked to, to run this, become the executive director by my brother. And I walked into this organization with a, with a blindfold on, had no idea. All I knew was that I needed to help my brother and stay with him and watch out for him and, and, uh, you know, help him any way I can. So I was really honored. And when I get into the organization um, archives and started to evaluate what I was walking into, uh, and thank God he was watching over me because I didn't know when you don't know, you, you don't know if it's if it's in compliance, what's been happening, because it's 77 years old. <laughs> it's it's American teachers. That's American teacher. Excuse me. Nineteen forty six. It was started by uh, business uh, people like uh, the fellow who was uh, running this, who founded Sears and Roebuck, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, military men, writers, uh, journalists, uh, you know, a, a, a different kind of group of people. But their mission was faith, family and freedom. And they were writing books and papers and because they didn't have any technology back then after World War II and literally warning people about communism coming. It's going to be a good day. This Monday, we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. It's in the it's infiltration and what it's going to do to this country. And they were telling us about public school, public school books, and the infiltration of the school system. That was their really big, I, in the archives, those two pieces were really big. Uh, the other thing they were talking about was the military, because we had a lot of military uh, experts as the founders of America's Future. And also, they, oh, they had the whole timeline written and never cared about what anybody said on the New World Order takeover. I found documents that are fascinating how they had timeline the whole the Fed Reserve from 1913. They had a whole pamphlet system that they had spread all over the place. And so these people were really a way ahead of the game as far as, um, you know, warning the American people as to what was coming. And they knew they knew this was coming and they knew that their mission was to protect the Constitution and families freedom and, and faith, faith, big time, you know, uh, what the founding fathers, they were all about the founding fathers. So, so when I discovered this, I just kind of thought, you know, it went dormant. Phyllis Schlafly took it over in the nineties, Christine, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the things that I found. She was prior to me, to my brother who became the chairman after a general Singlub was the chairman. 
He died last year. He was 101. He would be 102 this year. He died and he was an Intel army officer. That was my brother was, uh, a, he was a kind of a mentor to my brother. So he asked general Flynn to take over as the chairman. Let me go back. So that's how that happened. And then Michael asked me to come work for him. So, so that's how that worked. And then, uh, as I started to look into what I was, uh, coming, walking into, I discovered that there was a good endowment. They had uh, done a very good job. It was very compliant, very well done. We had, you know, tax returns. Everything was in good shape, uh, but dormant for 20 years. Phyllis was basically using it as a publishing clearing, you know, run, run her publishing through it. Um, and, and of course, Phyllis Schlafly was, you know, a conservative pro-life kind of uh, you know, a woman who was great. I mean, she was part of the history of this country and did her job and so forth, but uh, it was dormant. So basically it was a startup for me. It was a startup because- How did you, how did you choose human trafficking? I, I went into the court system first. Our, our best bang for our money, first of all, was to fight in the, in the court system, in the U.S. Supreme Court. So basically what I started to do was file amicus briefs, hook up with a very good legal team, constitutional attorneys that were fighting in the system. And they and they filed 34 so far. Last year, uh, December uh, 6, the next mission that I thought that we need to do and looking and talking to my team, we had to start to uh, uh, you know, do something that was going to uh, fight for the children. So getting my team and my board on, on board was um, not hard, but we had to make sure that we, that we put it into the mission. And because child trafficking is a very harsh uh, reality. And, you know, what it is, is, you know, we had to put it into perspective and, and, educate. So our mission is an educate. We're an education 501c3. So our best bet was to was to build something, build a team outside the board, outside my staff that were experts that have been fighting this uh this uh, ugliness for decades and losing their their livelihood, uh, persecuted themselves and so forth. So what I did was kick this PDPC protect and defend our children uh, with the blessing of the board uh, and 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 put together this team, this advisory team uh, made up of incredible professionals uh, that uh, that helped me uh, figure out what we're going to do. And what we decided to do was run these summits and run this incredible training and get. But it's grassroots. It's always mm -hmm. been grassroots with me. My brother started this local action, national impact. Well, you know, what he's really telling people and what we what we need to do is tell communities how to protect and defend their children. They don't know how to do that. And nobody's helping them get the resources they need. So, well, it's, you know, you know, in the generation that you and I grew up in, Mary, a lot yeah. of people, you didn't have to tell people how to protect the kids. People knew it instinctively, but you didn't exactly. have the internet that came through the front door that never, I mean, it's like the uninvited guest that never goes home. Okay. That's, right. that, that's what the internet is. But we also lived in a world where, you know, 
if somebody was misbehaving on the beach, it didn't matter whose children it was. The parents knew the other parents and they would correct the kids. Today, people can be easily offended and people people do things that they normally wouldn't do in our parents' generation because it just that, that, that's just the nature of the beast. People were families and communities. So so w t talk about you know what how you're going to execute this mission so you're you, the the plan is that you're going to do these summits i know i've attended one i know i'm going to be attending another one in, in december yeah. Yeah, participating yeah. with you guys but i mean i like the idea having covered this for a long period of time i like the idea of going upstream and and getting because i always say get your kids off of social media i mean i'm not on social media we are as an organization as a news organization but i you know i am not one of these people who, who you know I, I don't care what what you ate for breakfast okay i, I just i think that's a lot of i'm a little bit like betty white i just think yeah. it's a waste of time for for facebook and things like that yeah. but i know the world yeah. you know much of many of the world live on yeah. on social media but I think it's a danger for children. I, I absolutely do. I think TikTok, Facebook, all this kind of stuff, because I know that the bad actors troll the kids and they, they try to find the kids online and it can become a problem. And parents, for whatever reason, do not, I don't know, they do not grasp that because I think young parents today grew up in the world of social media so they don't they don't see the difference you know there, there are those of us who have lived prior to the internet yeah. that okay so there's some value to the internet but there's a dark side and yeah. the dark side is what can can get your children and, and, and your grandchildren in trouble so let's talk about this so you're you're going into the communities and you're bringing together the law enforcement as well as some of the leaders in the communities and, and what's the goal well, you know, before we go, I mean, we did this, you know, pilot in Florida. And before I did this summit, you, you, there's a lot of legwork. There's a lot of networking. There's a lot of people that I needed to speak to. My, my goal is to get neighbors and communities the tools they, they need to take action, even with not even if it's their own child, but any child in their community, because you know, we're at a, we're at a time right now where, you know, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't look at life like we should be. I mean, life is, children are looked at as a low, low piece of the totem pole. I mean, we, they're, they're, they're our most precious uh, creation and we don't have a future without children. So, you know, that's, that's what I always focus on is, you know, children are our future. They're our builders of the future. They build, they're the mothers, they're the next fathers, they're the next, you know, law enforcement, they're the next leaders, I mean, so forth. And, and we're, we're losing that, the sight of how important children are and our communities need those tools to protect and defend children, even against you know, leaders, law enforcement, there's bad actors out there in communities. And you know what? You know, people, when you live in your communities, you know what people are doing. I knew what I knew what, you know, the principal was like. I knew teachers in schools that were, you know, preying on some of my friends. You know, communities have a lot of uh, knowledge about 
who is running their communities and in their communities. Okay. They know, they know criminals, they know kids that are bad. They know, they know families that are, you know, in, in tough shape and so forth. It's just, it's just getting their communities to be aware of how to protect and defend their children and not standing for any nonsense in their communities that hurt children and hurt families. We've got to get back to the family unit. Whether you're a single mother or not, it does not matter. They're very important today. All, all family units are important. It's because their children are up against some very vicious, vicious uh, things in this world today. And that social media, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I've, I've got the experience of my own grandchildren. Uh, my grandson was a gamer and I know he, we, we caught, you know, somebody, you know, after him talking with him all the time. And he got, he got a rude awakening uh, when that happened uh, because he wasn't aware. So you're talking about, you know, you know, making parents responsible for their children's behavior too, to be honest with you. Let's get back to that. You know, we're not even in that anymore. I mean, you know, it's, it's ridiculous how people get away with stuff and, and not, and they're not held accountable. Parents. Well, we, 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 ex, we excuse people for not being parents. You know, we, we, we make concessions, That's exactly right. That's we exactly make concessions right. on that. And, and, and the thing is that you can't, you cannot expect a child to be aware of the boogeyman, but adults, yeah. adults know that the boogeyman is out there uh, and that they have to protect kids. But sometimes right. their brains don't go to the point where, you know, it, it, Xbox is one of the portals of fertile grounds. Uh, yes, several years ago, Xbox, you know, the kids would play that game. Yeah. They think they're playing with a peer, but in fact, yeah. it's a 35 year old pervert on yeah. the other end of the, uh, you know, at the game. Um, there's, so much, there's so much to it. There's so many uh, 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 roots of how they attack a child or, you know, a predator works on a child and their families. You know, there's so All right, much. So let's, so let's, let's talk. Okay. So you're going into these, the vision is to take this to every state, correct? Right. That's right. So right. we started. Yep. We so started. you want to have, it's a two, it's a two, two days. Yep. And uh, Mike Smith is from Hollywood, is, is now living in, in uh, Tennessee. But Mike, the former stuntman, he's, he's got a new film out there about the, the illusions of truth, which is yeah. very well produced. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you, you've got a team of people. And so yep. your format is two days. And yep. it's, a, it's a panel discussion. And then you have breakout sessions where yes. people... People can learn from experts on the different angles of human trafficking. That's right. And it's, re and it's really about the protection of kids. It's more on That's the right. be aware, you know, the, the, these are the boogeymen that are out there and this can happen. Because the truth of the matter is, once your family gets sucked into something like this, That's right. as you attested to, it changes your life and your Absolutely. of how it, it happens. That's right. Yeah, I, I know that when I investigated um, the Catholic Church, having been raised Catholic, I mean, I was pretty pretty blown away yeah. about the insidious cover-up yes. and how many people knew uh, it wasn't just the perverts. It was That's the right. system, and the system did everything to protect itself, and it still does. And, and, it, right. and it's, it's mind-boggling because they say that they're, you know, they're... <laughs> the apostles of, of Jesus and in fact that they were the people who actually were covering up for the incredible oh, it's, that's right 
That's right. Yeah. And Christine, we, you know, we found out, you know, that's another thing that, you know, when I started working for the Catholic Church, I, I, uh, I had the honor of meeting uh, uh, Car- uh, Archbishop Vigano, uh, who was, uh, he's very outspoken uh, about, um, you know, what, what, with the church. And, and he was the one that, um, you know, uh, one of the popes, Benedict, put in place to audit the Vatican money and so forth. And what he did find, he found all the corruption. He found the child trafficking. He found, you know, uh, uh, the the, uh, McCarrick guy, who's one of the worst pedophiles ever in history, Catholic uh, uh, bishop. uh, He He wasn't alone, Mary. He wasn't alone. McCarrick was was not alone. And, and, and And the truth of the matter is, what well, people don't understand is all of the complaints that were in yeah. every country, those complaints were handed to the to the Vatican embassies and they were yes. sent to the Vatican and yes. they were sent to the office of the Congregation of the Faithful, right. which Pope Benedict, okay, otherwise known as Cardinal Ratzinger, ran for years. So he That's was right. very much aware of everything that was yes. going on and he was part of the cover-up. Yes, and Vigano fought that out. I mean, Vigano was the one that they sent away and he is I, I i i firmly believe to this day, and, I've, and i've said this publicly i think institutionally the catholic church should have been um indicted oh absolutely no question. trafficking institutional trafficking yeah. because well, they all knew they had, no, the documents. they had the documents absolutely and there was a plan to um you know infiltrate i mean it's been infiltrated in communism anyways back in you know, St. Gallen, uh, Switzerland, the seminary, and that's where McCarrick was groomed, and that's where he began his, his uh, you know, torture. Well, he, he went after, McCarrick didn't necessarily, he went after, uh, he didn't go after children. He went after young uh, seminarians. He went, he went, he went after, after men. He, 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 he was after children. He had many, many boys. Teenagers. Teenagers. Many young boys. I mean, well, that was yeah, young boys. Pedophilia is very young children. When you're oh, teenagers, yeah. that is not considered. Oh, no, no, no. He had young children. Oh, no. he His background is much further than seminarians. But my point about the Catholic yeah, that Church. I that I didn't know. So thank you. I did not know that. Yeah, no, he had, he was running a ring. So the connection with uh, Pope Francis and McCarrick is their best friends. Uh, McCarrick was running the ring from uh some of the states in the country, uh, Pennsylvania in particular, New, uh, New Jersey, some New England areas. And then he had four uh, priests that were working with him. And what they did was they had a network leading into uh, the Latino countries. And that's where Francis and him were friends. So Francis knows exactly what was going on. He is uh, a very aware. He protected McCarrick and all these four priests. And, and there were more. So Francis has his hands in a lot of this whole cover-up, okay? And that's why they put him in. Uh, he's a communist. He is just like McCarrick. They're, they're communists, uh, and they are, you know, not not good people. And they are set to they infiltrated the church to ruin the church. Now, my point with this pedophile stuff is, and I know this because I have a family member that her first job out of law school was to serve uh, the Pennsylvania uh, diocese who had the most, the highest 
uh, cases they needed to settle on the church uh, for the church uh, for children that were molested families. They were settling these cases of priests that hurt these children. Instead of putting them in jail, they would just pay the money. So that's one of the jobs that she had was to settle these cases for the church. Now, in her research and her and how she had to defend uh, the church was she found that medical uh, medical doctors. So so if a priest was now accused, they would be the bishop would say, OK, they're going to go through some therapy. So they would put right. these priests into therapy and, you know, 30 days, 60 days, whatever it took. And then they would say back to the bishop, OK, so and so is OK, ready to go. So that's what they did. They put them back into the parishes and they did it again. So at that point, that's where we know. And that's when uh, medical doctors and medical studies started to come out about how pedophilia is not rehabable. <clears throat> and that is real evidence of how they thought they were medically. And they these medical doctors, some thought they were doing the right thing by rehabbing. Them. They, there were, but there were others that were just going along with the Catholic Church because there's a lot of infiltrators. They use a lot of contracts. They use a lot well, of. Let's, well, well, you know, but there, there were people who knew very early on in the 1940s that the not Well, but the studies didn't come out. They didn't. You don't really need the study, Mary. You don't need the studies. All you needed is for people to have listened to people who, in fact, said. This is not their recidivative rate is very, very high. They knew that because of the numbers and the churches. I mean, when I did my first investigation on the Catholic Church and I went back centuries, the Catholic Church had policies going back to the third and the sixth century about ped pedophilia. Mm -hmm. And they had policies. So in the night in the in 2002, when Boston imploded and people said, we don't know anything about this. There were people in the Catholic Church here in the United States as early as the 1960s. Oh, I know that. I, I'm so, not I arguing. Mean, there's that. no excuse for this. Oh no, 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 no! I'm not arguing that. They knew it, Christina. I'm not saying that. But in reality, when the when the whole big United States, you know, pedophilia, you know, scandal exploded, and 2002 in Boston. But it you also, know, but it was happening in Louisiana, yes. you know. And then Pennsylvania was being, and then they start, instead of, you know, arresting these people, they started allowing them to settle the cases because they're in cahoots with the government. And that's the other problem we have with the Catholic Church. They started to take government money quite a long time ago. Once you start taking government money with a faith-based church, you're in trouble. You owe, you owe your life to the government. Well, I mean, there's, 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 there's no, there's no faith. I mean, I, 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 I'm hesitant. Well, if you use government money, you're not allowed to have any faith programs at all. It becomes well, yeah, but that's, that's a whole nother thing. I want to pull this back to, I want to pull sure. this back to what you're doing in these communities, because your goal is to go into the community that's right. and educate people. And so it's not just, it's not just on the sex trafficking, but it's, it's actually putting anything that can put kids at risk, even, that's right. even within an institution. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, the, and, and, and so today we have many churches who will not allow us to go and do these summits. We have been Why? turned down because they're not going to deal with this subject or they can't. And that is, and my, my bottom line and my experience shows me that if they have taken money, from the government, 
and they took a lot of it during COVID, then they will, they're owned by the government. So they, they can't talk about this. They will not bring this in. I've been turned by down by many churches. That's one of the places we want to go. I want to go to the churches because that's where they're hiding. That's where these people hide in churches and the churches need to know to how to protect their families. It's very important that we, that we get into the churches and, and the people of the church, which is the communities, that's the communities and get them trained and get them to know what they're looking for. So they're not afraid to stand up for their children. So, you know, you know, that's, that's, that's interesting to me because I've, I, I don't normally have churches. Churches have, have, have welcomed this message is my experience. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, have that. not necessarily the Catholic church, but that's I mean, turned me down here. And when I was doing the summit here, I had the Bishop of Venice turn me down. He didn't want anything to do with it. He wouldn't put his flyers out. And by the way, there's two dioceses down here in Florida. And this is the kind of like legwork you have to do before you do these summits. You got to go find out, you know, who's the AGs, who's the sheriffs, who's, where's the churches. So of course, you know, I went to the the Diocese of uh, Venice because I know one of the programs that they implement, implemented was after the scandals was sex trafficking education. Okay. And that's, you know, two of them in this, in the state of Florida say that's what they do. They educate on sex trafficking and sexual abuse and sexual exploitation. Well, not one have I, I have not found one course that they give that is any, any, I mean, I can't find any courses. So he turned me down. He wouldn't let me have anything to do with putting that, you know, you know, he wouldn't take a flyer. He straight out turned me down. And, and I went to a couple of parishes and they took the, the flyer from me. I went around him because I'm not going to do that with these people. And also there are other, you know, the Baptists, there are other, there are other churches that don't want to deal with this topic. And uh, it's sad. I mean, it's really sad, but it just goes to show you who's it exposes them. Who doesn't so, want to? All right, so let's get back to the seminars, Mary. Okay, okay. so you've got you've got one coming up in um, Detroit area in December. Yep. Uh, yep. And and that is what's the date on that? That's the seventh that's and eighth. eighth. That's the eighth of December, eighth and ninth, and that is okay. a Grace Church. That is a great church that welcomed us in. They are very very good. Um, about this they have uh a, you know welcomed us into this church a nice place um and then so we, we're going to go in on uh, friday night do a discussion panel with um you know great experts on that panel for the community there uh, lara logan will run them as she's a board member uh as mike smith is too and uh they um they are a part of this Laura's amazing herself running uh, she's a great MC and runs this uh, topic very well and her panel uh, these are chosen panels too every state is a different chosen it's a different panel chosen specifically for that uh, state because every state has different problems right uh, the Michigan has a border problem Can Canada we never talk about the Canadian border and the mm -hmm. trafficking that's going on in there we also have a very blue state very left state in michigan which 
you know, there's, there's what, from what I'm hearing with some of the groups in Michigan is there's a lot of cover-ups, a lot of corruption and so forth. The governor is uh, missing right now, missing in action. Whitmore, who's had her own controversies. You also, so, you also, you also have a, a large immigrant. Yes, that's I mean, another. Which, yes. which, which people have to understand is that you have, you have sexual mores, for lack of a better phrase, that in different parts of the world. And yeah. and that and that has an impact in a, in a community. There's no, there's no doubt about that. It does. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you know our you know we we gather a lot of um, information. We assess, and we do a lot of work on their policies and laws on the books. And so we have this young team of uh, third year law students that are doing a lot of research for us. Uh, we're building this beautiful resource for America's future for people to go to and pick their state and find out a lot of information uh, on, you know, all kinds of information. I mean, all kinds of information for that state. So that's a lot of work that we do prior to the summits. Um, and it's, 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 it's really well done. And then we go in, we, we sit with the community, we make it, we find sponsors because we need to make this an inexpensive for the people uh, down in Florida. Our pilot was great. We had uh, over 600 people at the summit. Training was packed. Uh, we also train professionals like realtors, uh, first responders, medical. We have a team of um, really, uh, uh, really great uh, instructors that are doing different things uh, based on their expertise. Um, so we we have a day of um, training in different areas. Uh, we have Liz Krogan, who's an investigative journalist who will meet with people. She's brilliant with all the you know research she's done uh she was the one who brought into the you know pizza gate which you know she lost her, her livelihood because of what she uncovered and and now uh you know there's no conspiracy anymore there's you know there there's proven evidence of that with wikileaks and pedesta files and all that but you know we have great people that are um you know really advising together and making a program that makes a big impact. We want to expose, we want to educate, we want to eradicate. Now, my brother says we can't eradicate one child at a time, which I'll take, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to eradicate. We're going to okay. eradicate till I die. Till I die, Christina. Till you, till you die. You're on a mission. Do this till I die. I got nothing else, nothing else to do. My grandchildren are extremely important. I cannot turn this country over to them without you know, that torture freedom, you know, it's not right. Too many people died for this country, you know? Well, Mary, you know, I'm so glad you joined us today. I mean, that, 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 that gives us in a nutshell what America's future is about. And, and you are, you are on a mission, ma'am, <laughs> to, to, to protect kids. And God bless you for all the work that you're doing with this. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Have a great one. Thank you.